0: Good morning. Good morning. So, in November of 2021, on Interstate 5 in San Diego, California, an armored truck was traveling along when one of the doors of the truck flew open, dropping bunches of bags of cash onto the freeway. People jumped out of their cars and started picking up the money and even videotaped it. Same thing I've ever seen someone drop money all over the freeway. San Diego- has shut down. Literally, it has shut down. Look at the freeway right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> literally, everybody stopped on the freeway to get money off of the freeway. This is literally insane. This is insane! Have <laughs> you seen someone drop money? On the Authorities arrested two people at the scene after they allegedly grabbed a bunch of money and then uh, locked themselves out of their car so they couldn't leave the scene. <laughs> Authorities asked that people come forward if they picked up cash, and apparently a lot of people did come forward. Um, County Highway Patrol officer Jim Betancourt said. If you stopped to pick up money, as many people as videoed did, then um, you may be facing charges. He went on to say, if a bunch of TVs fell from a truck across the freeway, you can't just take a TV. We're continuing our sermon series called Bearing God's Name, where we are taking a look at the Ten Commandments. Does Does anybody want to guess which one we're talking about today? You're going down, Lanham. (laughs) Let's pray for Tom. (laughs) Jesus, we welcome you here this morning as we continue to learn the the commandments that you have given us. I pray that you would open our eyes to see how we can continue to grow to be more like you through this message today. Amen. Amen. Well, there are a couple of really cool things that I learned in preparing for this sermon. First of all, the commandment, do not steal, encompasses all the other commandments on the second tablet. Murder is the stealing of another person's life. Adultery is the stealing of another person's spouse. Giving false testimony is stealing justice. And coveting is the desire to steal what belongs to someone else. Another interesting thing I learned is that in ancient Israel, this commandment was understood to refer primarily to kidnapping a person. (laughs) So this commandment seems to be like the one that Tom Lanham talked about a couple weeks ago when he talked about do not murder. It's a no-brainer. Do not steal. Okay, done. But are we starting to see a pattern here? It seems like that it's not always that easy, not always that cut and dry. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes things we don't even think of as stealing are actually stealing. When I was growing up, when we would go to the movies, my mom would pop popcorn at home and buy candy at the store and then take it into the movie theater in this ridiculously large purse that like nobody would believe that that's just your purse. <laughs> Um, Or maybe you're a student and you steal someone else's answers. Or you secretly take money from your parents. Or from your employer. Maybe you take a longer lunch or you come in late or leave early. Maybe you take credit for someone else's idea. Or, and this is a tough one, maybe you share your Netflix account information with your friends and family. (laughs) So, we are really, really good at rationalizing why we do these things. My mom justified bringing her own snacks to the movie because it was just way too expensive to buy them at the movie theater. Or maybe you think, it's really not going to hurt if I just peek at one little answer. Or my parents have plenty of money, they're not even going to know that it went missing. Or you might think, hey, I work hard for this company, I deserve to take some extra time for myself. Or you might think, so-and-so hasn't told anyone else about this really awesome idea, and they're not even going to be in the meeting, so I'll just pull it off as my own. Or, hey, Netflix is a multi-billion dollar company. Who cares if I let my friends use my login information? (laughs) So why do these kinds of stealing matter? What difference does it really make? Well, obviously, it creates problems in our society. Look at the stores like Target that are closing because of major theft problems. And it's easy to see how stealing harms the person or company that is stolen from. But like we've been saying with the other commandments, this isn't just about what God wants us to stop doing. Jesus is inviting us into a particular way of life. It's a life based on trusting God, trusting in his goodness, Trusting in his love and his care for us. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. So which of our needs does God supply? All of them. Every need that we have. Everything that any of us has comes from God. It's all a gift from him. Carmen Ims, in her book Bearing God's Name says, if I'm taking what's yours, I demonstrate a lack of gratitude and a lack of trust in God to provide for my needs. Everything we do in life is shaping us. We're always being discipled by something. Either we're being discipled and shaped into becoming more and more of the Trusting of God and His care for us, or we're being discipled and shaped in the opposite direction. The choices we make about small things, ways we might steal in small ways that we don't think really hurt anybody, um, are shaping us, drawing us away from a life of trusting and depending on God. And that is why the commandment says, You shall not steal. So let's take a moment. I'm going to give us about 30 seconds if I can count um, to be exact. And then we're going to think about, think of a time that you might have stolen something or ways that you might have excused yourself even now for stealing ways that you don't think hurt anyone. So let's take a moment. I forgot the kids were up here. I was waiting for somebody to say, Mom, remember that time when you... (laughs) Because my kids would do that. Um, Now let's just offer that back to God. So I'm going to pray for all of us. Forgive me, Jesus, for not trusting you. I receive your forgiveness. I open myself to your empowering presence that I might trust you more, depend on you more, and become more and more like you. Amen. So you may have heard about a man in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus. So I would like the kids to come up. If you guys want to sit on the floor in the front, I'm going to sit on the stairs, and I'm going to read the story of Zacchaeus out of my very favorite Jesus storybook Bible. Don't leave me alone. Come on up, Henry. Thanks, Ellie. Do you guys want to sit down here so you can see the pictures? Or not? Here, we'll just read it like this. Maybe you can look over my shoulder. All right. Hey, ladies. So this one is called The Man Who Didn't Have Any Friends. None. There was once a man who didn't have any friends. None. Do you have any friends? Yeah. Well, of course you do. But not Zacchaeus. Poor Zacchaeus didn't have any. You're probably wondering why. Was it because he was so short? That's not really a reason to not like someone. Was it because he had a name that was hard to say? Well, neither is that. Even though he was short and he did have a funny name, That wasn't it. No, people didn't like Zacchaeus because he stole their money. Zacchaeus collected taxes. Taxes were what people had to pay the king. But Zacchaeus took more than he was supposed to, and he kept the extra money for himself. And he made himself rich. Everyone knew what he was up to, and it made them cross and grumpy. They didn't like Zacchaeus one little bit. So they made sure he knew it by doing things like avoiding him and walking on the opposite side of the street and pretending not to see him and whispering things like, there's that nobody who thinks he's a somebody loud enough so he could hear. Anyway, one day a huge crowd gathered by the road. Jesus was coming to their town and everyone wanted to see him. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, too, but everyone was too tall. I've been there. I know. <laughs> yeah. He tried jumping up and down, but that didn't work. He couldn't see a thing. Look at him. He's down here jumping. Luckily, Zacchaeus had a great idea. I'll climb that sycamore tree, he said. So he did. He was surprisingly good at climbing trees for a man who was so unusually short that he had to take a flying leap just to get into his chair in the morning. Whoa. From the trees, Zacchaeus had the perfect view all the way down the road. Another minute and suddenly Jesus was at the tree. He stopped and looked up at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. I'm sorry, Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. It's like a tongue twister. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I'd like to come over to your house. Zacchaeus almost fell out of the tree. Come over to his house? No one ever wanted to come anywhere near his house, let alone inside it. The people saw this, and needless to say, it made them even crosser and grumpier than usual. They mumbled and murmured and muttered, why is Jesus being kind to that big sinner? Doesn't Jesus know about him? Zacchaeus scrambled down and took Jesus to his house. He was in a hurry because he didn't want Jesus to change his mind. Perhaps Jesus hadn't heard about him. Perhaps Jesus didn't know about how he had been stealing and how no one liked him and how he didn't have any friends. But Jesus knew. He knew all about Zacchaeus and the stealing and everything. And he still loved him. Uh Uh-oh, lost my place. Thank you. Zacchaeus was ashamed. (laughs) (laughs) Zacchaeus was ashamed. Lord, he said, turning pale, what I've done is wrong, but now I want to do the right thing. I will give the money back to everyone, four times what I stole. And that's just what he did. Jesus smiled. My friend, he said, today God has rescued you. Jesus loved Zacchaeus when nobody else did. He was Zacchaeus' friend even when no one else was, because Jesus was showing people what God's love was like. His wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Thanks guys. You can go back to your seats. So in this story, Zacchaeus started out as someone who was stealing from others. We could call him a taker. And then he met Jesus, and he turned his life around and became a giver. That's what Jesus wants for us, too. We are called to be givers, not takers. Zacchaeus was so convicted when meeting Jesus that he offered to return everything he had taken, even four times as much. Think back to that thing that came to mind a moment ago. What would it cost for you to pay back fourfold the amount of the thing that you had taken? Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Paul is telling us in this passage that because we are united with Christ, because we can trust God for everything, because our God will supply all our needs, we don't have to live a life as takers. We don't have to live a life worried about not having enough and figuring out ways to get more. We really can look to the interest of others instead of our own. We really can be givers, not takers. But unfortunately, in our culture, we are more prone to hear stories about the takers than the givers. But Lisa found this really cool story about some givers. There's a group of friends in Massachusetts that belong to something called the $1,000 Breakfast Club. Here's what happened on one of their outings. It says, when Robert Rivas, a high school teacher in Norwood, Massachusetts, served a table of 16 at an ihop where he works on the weekends he had no idea that he would receive a 1600 dollar tip the surprise came from the surprise came from richard brooks who belongs to the 1000 dollar breakfast club a group of friends who each agreed to leave a 100 dollar tip Rivas, an immigrant from Venezuela, said he would use the money to buy new hearing aids for his mother. Brooks, a lawyer, started the club earlier this year, inspired by a similar group in California. When he was in his 20s, Brooks worked as a waiter, and he still remembers the first time that someone left him a tip of $20. He says, by giving it all to one person, you're doing something that could make a difference in their life what a cool way to bless someone. We're called to be givers, not takers. This commandment to not steal isn't just about what we are to stop doing. It is about us growing to be givers. The way we grow as givers is by practicing generosity. Being generous with the money that God blesses us with is the first step to being generous in other areas of our life. So God invites us to be generous with our money. He invites us to give generously to his church. He invites us to give to those in need. He invites us to be generous with everything he so generously has given to us. Being generous with our money is like the training wheels of generosity. As we grow in our generosity in that one area, it helps us to grow in our generosity with everything else that we have. We're called to be givers, not takers. Communion is a beautiful reminder of what Jesus gave for us. As we celebrate this meal together this morning, I want you to be really thinking about the gifts that God has given you and how you can use those gifts to be a giver this week.